Hello, and a very warm welcome to the first History Teacher Podcast. If this podcast brings you any amount of joy, then the reason we've done it is for you. We do aim to help students that are studying history at school, but at every single parent's evening over the last decade uh, of my teaching career, I've had at least one, and usually several, parents saying, I didn't like history when I was at school, but I love it now. So it's not just for the students who, who are young enough to be at, actually at school, it's also for, also for those who, who are a little bit older, who maybe still wish they could go back and experience the history classroom. Who knows where we'll go with these podcasts, but the first five are certainly being recorded in a music room in a secondary school with a handful of students and a history teacher. Me. If you want your history to be academic, then you're probably best off with something else, like maybe the BBC History Magazine podcast, which is excellent, by the way. Uh, The students aren't academic experts, and I'm certainly not. We're bound to make the odd mistake. We'll do our best, though. And if you bear with us as we try to make sense of history, you might enjoy it. Or even find it useful for your studies. I'm sure you'll let us know in the ratings and reviews if we get that far. The first episode, we've decided to go off with a bang. Our GCSE students have to study Whitechapel in the late Victorian era, which of course includes the 1888 murders, which have been attributed to a person known as Jack the Ripper. The police never caught the killer, but unlike all of the podcasts I've listened to pretty much, and many of the books and films and documentaries, we're not going to try and give you the definitive answer of who Jack the Ripper was, because... Well, we're very unlikely to give you the correct answer, given who we are. Um, But what we are going to focus on is why the police were unable to catch Jack the Ripper in 1888. Joining us this week, we've got Jensen, Sam and Jack, who will share their thoughts with me. I'm Mr Otway. Thanks very much. Let's get stuck in. So welcome to the very first History Teacher podcast. How does that feel? It's, it's an honour. It, it really actually is. Really is yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, there'll never be another first. Yeah, That's it. You can way. only have the first podcast once. I'm and now, don't use... We, we, we've got data protection to think about here. So use your first names and introduce yourself. Who have we got? Uh, Jack. Uh, I'm Samuel. And I'm Jensen. And I'm Mr. Otway. You don't get my first name. Are <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, we allowed to use it? Use your first name, yeah. but I won't. <laughs> well, that's it. That's yeah, that. Typical, isn't it? Double standards. That's what teachers are in the job for, so we get to do double standards. Um, anyway, we're trying to work out, to do with the Whitechapel topic that we're, we're covering, yep. why was it that the police were unable to catch Jack the Ripper? So... I, sh- I understand you've gone and had a little bit of a look about yeah, this. A, I think a, I think you're reaching to have a go, Jack. So, Jack, Jack, what do you reckon? Uh, well, there's there's obviously many many reasons why they were unable to uh, obviously catch the Ripper, the infamous Ripper. But one of them was to do with the media and the idea that the media stopped stopped them being able to do it as they had many things in the press, such as. For example, bloodhounds. The, the the police or the authorities wanted to uh, use 
bloodhounds to try and sniff out the killer. But they were unable to as this as the uh, as the 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 magazines and the newspapers decided mm. they they'd write articles saying why it was unethical. So that was obviously one yeah. one main reason. Sam, I believe you have something. Yeah. Well, okay, so we've got the newspapers. Are we following on from the newspapers, or have we got something else? Yeah, sure. I was going to talk briefly about something I'd heard recently that's quite interesting. So apparently, part of the reason as well as to why the police didn't use bloodhounds in the end was because initially they had commissioned two dogs. I think they were called Bingo and Bongo, and they bought <laughs> yeah. them. They bought them from a guy, or they, they intended to rent them or something, but they didn't pay him properly, and he actually ended up confiscating them from the police. Uh, and that might be part of the reason as to why the police had such a bad experience with bloodhounds and ended up, you know, never using them again. And I also read another bit that that follows in from this that there was an argument that though bloodhounds would be really, really useful in a lot of situations yeah. in Whitechapel and all the smells and all the people. And mm. all, as soon as the murders happen, there's that many people there in this densely populated area that they worried that it wouldn't have worked anyway. Which is you, you can get the see, wrong person. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see you can see the logic behind that. Perhaps we should have gone back a little bit at the start. I mean, this is our first go, so you know, bear with us. Uh, but to talk about the whole Jack the Ripper thing in the first place, what what was it like? Where did it? What's Whitechapel like? That sort of thing. Jensen, tell us a little bit. So Jack the Ripper, uh, he, he his playground, let's say, was uh, Whitechapel, a uh, particularly deprived area of London. It's not uh, amazingly. Um, well, it's, it's quite impoverished, mm. um, and there wasn't amazing levels of uh, anything, really. Um, and also, <coughs> prostitutes were quite prominent. They would, walk ar- they would walk around and do their business without really much concern of uh, the police. Um, and clearly, Jack, we'll put it, uh, didn't have, well, had a bit of a problem with them, or chose them for, their, for his targets for some specific reason. Um, well, they were potentially easy victims. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing about those, those the prostitutes, that it may well have had a motive, and that's one of the things the police really tried to hone in in the Victorian time. What is this guy's motive in the absence of other possible ways of detecting? Um, and it could have been that he had something against prostitutes, but it's certainly the case that prostitutes take their um, customers, if you like, to dark, secluded places which makes it easier if you're trying to kill them. Mm. Um, and also, in, in none of the crimes did anybody hear a scream. And that might also be because that Jack, Jack the Ripper, or whoever, whoever he actually was, had also a reason to be very close to his victims. And, and so the prostitute thing is, is really important as to why the police failed to catch him, because they, you would say, facilitated his crimes. They made it easier for him to get yes. away with it. Mm-hmm. There was no questions asked about why he was doing what he was doing. It was, uh, it was very in, not. It wasn't inconspicuous at all. It like you could very easily justify why he was going into these dark places with these women, hmm. and that made it all the more easier for him to go in and come back out without someone asking any questions or raising an alarm. So what other features are there in Whitechapel? Maybe not even necessarily to do with Jack the Ripper, but where did people live? What did it look like? That sort of thing. Over to you two. Well, uh, I suppose one of the main features of the Whitechapel area really was lodging houses, which was where lodging houses were this... Almost like a hotel, but a lot more on the cheap, as you would (laughs) say. Just a bed. (laughs) Yeah. 
you you could you only had you had, you paid you paid your your fee however much it was not maybe not a great deal you paid your fee and you got a bed and a bucket mm -hmm. to excreting I'll say that there was even I mean that was the the a, a low rung in society but some people couldn't even afford a bed. Have any of you come across what you could do if you in yes, the sleep against a rope, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they would string up a rope, and you could sleep leaning against the rope. That, I mean, that's how poor some of the yeah. people were in Whitechapel. That the the only thing they could afford to get a shelter over the head was part of a rope with several other people. Mm. It's crazy. I think one way, if you would like to visualize it, is if you're trying to imagine. Um, a homeless shelter in movies that they set up after an accident or whatever. Um, it was just a lot of people all in one room that had been, well, not improvised at this point because they were built for this purpose. However, it was just a lot of people in one room. It was very unhygienic and it, it really wasn't comfortable at all, but it was mm. what people had to survive with, so it's what people chose to go with. Yeah, I think most of, if not all, of the victims of Jack the Ripper were at a lodging house, or oh, that's where they often slept. And and more than one of them, um, on the night when they were murdered, were going to try to get their bed in the lodging house in the middle of the night, but didn't have any money. I think the second of the accepted five victims, there might have been as many, like, more than ten victims, mm. but there's five, they're called the canonical five, that are accepted. There could well have been six, seven, but the second in that five... Um, went to the guy, save my bed, I'll go out and get the money. Went out, got the money several times. She even sort of boasted about it to her friend saying, I've had my, my, my money several times for a bed and I've spent it on drink every time. The mm. last time she went out to try and was, get the money, yeah. she went to Jack the Ripper and, and we know where that went. So the lodging houses do feature in, in this and the fact that there's so many people in Whitechapel also coming in and out but of different walks of life because mm. it's right next to... The dogs. The dogs. There so, so yeah, that makes it even more difficult to catch uh, a potential killer. So, we've talked a little bit about the problems of the media. Has anybody? Well, let's stick to the media. Why did? How else did the media make it make it difficult for for um, the police to catch Jack the Ripper? Is there any other? bits we've got to do with the media. Well, they really do uh, scrutinise the police at the time, and this has been going on for a while. I think generally, you know, particularly amongst like Penny Dreadfuls, who were, you know, really sceptical of what the police were doing. Um, you know, you can even find reports of, the, um, of, of this media just really, you know, um, driving into the police for everything and anything they did. And this is a lot more about the Victorian attitude at the time towards the police. They were treated with a lot of contempt. The lower classes really despised them, and, you know, almost rightly so, because... At the time, the police were perceived, and probably actually were, a lot more for the upper classes of society than were the lower classes. They were seen as interfering, and I imagine that probably really impeded the police's ability to police in Whitechapel in general. Hmm. I don't know if any of you have come across Leather Apron. Yes. What you're reading. Yeah. So Leather Apron, after the first... So that there was, there was um, a lady who was murdered, I can't remember her name, but there was another one called Martha Tabram, who might have been this might have been his second victim, and she was not like the others because he sort of cut parts out of his victims. With Martha Tarum, she had hundreds of stab wounds, so he, he killed somebody, killed her, whether it was Jack the Ripper or not, and then went crazy afterwards and yeah. stabbed her loads of times. Um, <clears throat> and then there was um, 
the first of the accepted victims of Jack the Ripper. And after that, some rumour started to go around that there was a guy who, who they knew as Leather Apron, because he was always wearing a leather apron, who was basically had been doing it for a while, going around and terrorising prostitutes, basically threatening them and saying, give me all your money. Maybe like a, a school bully style sort of thing. Mm. Uh, give me all your money that you've got. And because they're vulnerable women, they're out in the dark, in the middle of the night, he was doing that. So this rumour went round that Leather Apron was, was the guy. Yeah. He was actually a real person, um, and he got wind of this and went into hiding with his family. He actually went out the district and then went into hiding with his family. But the 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 police were the police the, the the media was publishing this idea about leather apron and it was just one prostitute that had sort of originally mentioned it to the to the to the news reporters and the news reporters were really going for it because the police's policy was not to tell the media details about a case so it wasn't like they were making an exception here they just didn't do it in case it affected the case mm. now we've realised this is in the fairly early days of the police but now we realise as a nation, that if the police want to catch somebody or solve something, the more people that know about it, the better. That's why I have crime stoppers and yeah. things on the television. Yeah. But then it was their policy. So that meant the, the newspapers had to go with every little rumour that they could get, but also meant they were annoyed at the police or, uh, even more than they already were before the, the murders began. And so they, they spent time and effort trying to hunt down this leather apron, even though he wasn't Jack the Ripper. Yeah. And there were several times that rumours went up that such and such a person might be and Charles Warren who Charles Warren was? He was uh, he was in charge of the Metropolitan Police yeah, at the time Commissioner of the Police Well here are his words We are inundated oh he's probably more Victorian wasn't he? We are inundated <laughs> with suggestions and names <laughs> of suspects Thus wrote Sir Charles Warren Commissioner of the Metropolitan, Poli- Metropolitan Police to Sir James Fraser, his counterpart in the city of London, in on the 9th of October, 1881. That is overwhelmed by the number of suspects that are getting thrown at him. So it was muddy in the waters, because there could only really have been one. And, and police time was wasted because of the pressure sometimes they were put under by the media. I think uh, the extreme amount of... I think I suppose you could call it whistleblowing from the general public about who it could have been or even just the media outlets themselves just trying to fan the flame on the uh, scrutiny that the police were getting at the time. I think that really uh, amplified the difficulty for the police force to actually uh, be more specific about who they genuinely thought it would be because if they left all these supposed suspects out on the loose that people uh, believed to be Jack the Ripper then a sort of hysteria would rise. And I think they also had to focus on suppressing that as opposed to allowing that to get out of control while actually doing what they wanted to do. Mm. Uh, yeah, and the, and the, but the people of Whitechapel as well, they got in the way of the police investigation. So I got mm. one example here, saying it from The Star, one of those, these newspapers writing about it. The wildest rumours were flying about the West End this morning of a murder like those the Whitechapel tragedies being attempted. So another part of London. And as late as the 19th of September, hostile mobs might still menace any suspicious-looking character. That night, a policeman had to rescue a drunken cabinet maker named Thomas Mills from a crowd in Wellington Row in Shoreditch. He found them pulling him about and shouting, We'll lynch him, he's leather apron! 
And even the leather apron thing is something that's been built up by the media. Yeah. So and that's going to waste police time. Um, and they arrested another guy as well, uh, a, a little gangster, short, covered in <laughs> tattoos, did terrorise the district. Um, the mob had got into this idea that he was Jack the Ripper. They saw the police going to arrest somebody and people would follow because it was this big, big story. And uh, this guy was spotted by a police officer. I'll find his name in a minute. I've got it in, in my notes. Um, he was wanted for something else, not Jack the Ripper, yeah. but the police officer in Whitechapel in a crowd started chasing him. <laughs> so all of the mob carried and chased after him as well. And they were going to rip him to pieces. Now, all before this, he would be known to the police. Um, and this particular day, he did everything. He, he'd been known to beat up police officers. You know, if he was arrested, he came in with all his clothes shredded because he'd put up t- such a fight. But this day, the mob was after him in the thought that this might be Jack the Ripper. He willingly gave himself into the police. The police basically rescued him, and after that, his attitude to the police changed again. But this is what it was like in Whitechapel. It wasn't like these were isolated incidents. The whole area was up in arms, and it was making the police's job more difficult because everybody was sticking their nose in and getting in the way. But the police themselves were also lacking things. So what were the police lacking, which which nowadays would help the police, perhaps. Competence. Mm. Oh, competence. <laughs> Go on, then. Oh, right, sure. Um, yeah, the police didn't really demonstrate, you know, like a, a scintillating side of their abilities. I think it probably had a lot to do with how they were hampered by the public at the time. Um, but they had, like, the... Um, what was it? Whitechapel Vigilante uh, Commission mm. or something like that, wasn't it? But... Um, no, the police, I think, ended up dealing a lot more with issues they weren't interested in than the actual Ripper cases. Uh, and often end up, you know, dealing with, like, you know, um, whistleblowers and that kind of thing. In fact, I read somewhere that apparently this um, vigilante commission became, like, such a nuisance that the police were actually spending more time on an evening running towards, you know, these um, people who were blowing, you know, police whistles to try to get their attention because they'd seen something suspect uh, than actually, you know, looking for the Ripper himself. Yeah, what, um, actually, to do with that vigilante thing, the vigilante groups were set up by Whitechapel citizens, there was actually a good, a huge chunk of the vigilante group work was being done by the Jewish community of Whitechapel. Mm-hmm. Why do you think they were, that the Jewish community of Whitechapel were really making a point of trying to catch Jack the Ripper? I think Go to ahead. improve their image. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, yeah pro- probably, yeah, because a lot of anti-Semitism was going on, obviously, in that period, so they'll have been desperate to try and prove, look, look we're, yeah. we're here to sort of stay in this community and be part of it and it wasn't it wasn't like if oh if Whitechapel don't work for us we can just move on to another district because they need they need there was lots of immigrants from Russia so Russian Jews coming over because Mm -hmm. of them being near the docks so that there's obviously this idea that they needed to sort of stay there to maybe help other Jews come across but yeah to try to integrate into Britain yeah so they needed to they needed to Sort of staying the good a good public eye in a sense mm. yeah. because make, of the anti-Semitism yeah, to, make, of the to make them look better so that yeah. they could help their the people coming over mm-hmm. to, to and the police well. were definitely worried about anti-Jewish riots yeah. because of the Jack the Ripper mm. thing mm-hmm. and I give you an example pretty much the only clue aside from the room where he got his last victim that Jack the Ripper left was after the night of the double murder there was a piece of wet, bloody apron that was found in a doorway. And 
um, the, the one of his victims had a bit of her apron missing and it matched. So it was basically, it was a, a quite a little bit away, away from where the murder site was. This bit of bloody apron was found by a constable doing the beat. And next to it was some graffiti, which on the wall said, the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing. Now, whether that was just by chance where he happened to drop this bit of apron mm. or oh. the ripper actually wrote that on the wall. Um, this is links to when we're talking about police incompetence. If that was now, you would have it photographed, you would make sure you invest, look very closely at that because that is a crime scene. But the police were really worried about anti-Jewish riots. So do you know what they did? Washed it away. Washed it off the wall. Maybe. And they were even... so Because they could photograph at the time. Yeah. They, were, they didn't even take a photograph of it before they washed it off the wall. And that's helped a lot of conspiracy theories about Jack the Ripper since. But that's why. So the anti-Semitism actually did indirectly affect yeah. the police investigation. Yeah. A lot of the um, people who might have been witnesses said that they were foreign-looking or, or Jewish-looking. Now that... We've got to take, yeah, think that about could that. Be, could be anything, though, could, couldn't it? Yeah. And they could what be... What does a Jewish person yeah. really look like? And, yeah. and they could be, but obviously, trying to... A lot of conflicting descriptions as well. Push yeah. them into Push the Jewish eye because of yeah. it. Because yeah. anti-Semitism. Because of the anti-Semitism, yeah. And now what they probably meant, they, they looked Jewish because there was a massive influx of specifically Russian Jews into the area because of what was happening to them in Russia. The pogrom in yeah. Russia at the time, yeah. What's a pogrom then? People won't know, but I know you will. Uh, it's persecution of the Jews in particular, I think. Yeah. yeah, so they fled, a lot of them fled to, to London and then Whitechapel, yeah. as an area where other Jewish people lived, there was a community there. So yeah, it could have been the witnesses being maybe subconsciously or even consciously anti-Semitic and pointing the mm-hmm. area at, at them. Um, do you know what else they did with the bodies which might have helped them if they hadn't done uh, with Jack? Is the police? The police, yeah. Uh, what? Not, not entirely sure. They were notorious for like destroying evidence. Mm. So I think in the first, I think it was after the first murder, they just washed the blood away yeah, they because they didn't want you know civil disorder. So they just mm. you know cleaned away as much of the evidence and, as possible. And they moved the bodies. Yeah. So one of the things that they would do is take the body to the mortuary. Like quite quite mm. quickly afterwards, yeah. you usually you usually expect it to be all coned off. off. Like yeah. now yeah. nowadays, yeah. they put tape round it, and yeah, it's yeah. Well, at least a week, two weeks, because they take mm-hmm. every little sample of every. But little I think thing. they, yeah, yeah they, they can sort of pick. They try and basically create the picture, don't they? Yeah, to reanimate it. Yeah, in in a way. And they take photographs of the scene. Of every oh, maybe even videos yeah. now. And they've probably they've probably the difference between now and then is probably. The technology and the sort of the, the thing, the thi- of... and the things that they can. But they thought they were doing they the best use, thing, yeah. you know, getting it to the coroner as soon as possible. Mm. But yeah. it's not always not always the best thing. No, um, and then but they did have photography, so there's there's photographs of all five victims. Mm. The yeah. first four in the mortuary, so it's just a picture of their dead body away from the crime scene. That, and, and the last one, there is a photograph of the actual crime scene, mm. but for the first four. There was no such. And you could, you, they could be. You could take a picture, mm. and you could miss things looking at it. But then you have a picture, and it could be. You come back to it a month later, and you spot something. It probably just never occurred to them to do it. Yeah, well, it just wasn't an accepted practice. They actually took a sketch a couple of times. I think certainly in one of the cases, they took a sketch of the one of the victims. But they had cameras. They it was just because it's the early days of detecting. They 
They weren't yeah, using everything you le- they, they necessarily you learn, had. You, you learn different ways, don't you? Yeah. There you go. So mm. there's probably that, things now that might in yeah. 20 years completely change. Oh, yeah, change. of course. Mm. And as that learning as they go, it might be significant that they didn't take a sketch or a photograph in the first two. The third one and the fourth one happened on the same night. That's when they t- took a sketch, as far as I'm aware, and then the last mm. victim they had a photograph. Yeah. So that might even be an example of them learning as they go along. Like you're gonna say something then? No, no, no. Okay. Um, what else did they like? Did they not have to help them that the police might have later on? I'm not sure if this is right, but they won't have had um, a very prominent fingerprint. They didn't have fingerprinting. They That's one of the things. Yeah, no. it wasn't developed yet by by that time, so they couldn't do fingerprinting. And in fact, their database was too small as well. So they had actually started to take criminal records at the time, I think. But it was so small that they, you know, couldn't even start speculating about who it might have been. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, also even with the criminal database, there's people in and out of Whitechapel mm. all because it's near the, the time. Um, there's also that the police, uh, chief of police, or the the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, who was called Sir Charles Sir Charles Warren. Warren. Sir was actually uh, falling out at the time with his superiors. There was a bit of a, an iron gun. Now, how mm. much that actually affected the case is debatable, but certainly not necessarily going to help um, in terms of what they, they would do. There are speculations in the medical yeah. education. Yeah, because he yeah. took specific bits out of, yeah. out of bodies. And there's maybe only specific bits you could know if mm. you have any yeah. sort of idea in the autonomy of the that body. That knowledge would have helped him create the quote-unquote perfect crime, mm. which yeah. is obviously probably what you could consider these murders to be. Yeah. Well, it's um, unbelievable. Like, when you come to read the case, it's unbelievable how he managed to do it with so little in the way of people detecting him. That The, the second of the accepted five, it was light. It was 5.30 or something in the morning. It was light at that yeah. time of year where he, he did it in the in the backyard in a house full of people. And, and one of the murders in Mitre Square, the fourth of the murders of the accepted five, a policeman went on a beat and 14 minutes it takes him to, to go around his beat. Uh, they worked out in the inquest afterwards. So he'd been past that area and there'd been nobody there. There was also a retired policeman working as a warehouseman or something in on one of the places on Mitre Square, was sweeping up near the door. And he didn't hear anything. And he, so in the f- that 40 minutes, he managed to get a victim, get them there, kill them kill without them anybody hearing anything, anything, and then do the crazy things that he would do to the bodies, and then get away. I mean, the places were crawling with police in the night. That's because of, because of what had happened before. And he still managed to yeah. get away with it. And when it boils down to it, really, the police at the time, to catch a criminal to catch a, a sermon, especially a murder where you can't speak to the victim and find out what's happened yes. you have to catch them in the act yeah almost. or you have to find somebody with a motive and evidence obviously and they couldn't find anybody with a mo- like, motive they arrested plenty of people they arrested yeah. lots of people lots of people who would fit so they quite quickly worked out this seems to be somebody with some sort of medical knowledge mm. and they, they focused on people with medical training oh, and lunatics they and, called them yeah and they focused on butchies didn't they they had a butch yeah because they were the sharp sharp, sharp um, objects uh, soldiers they also started off looking at they, they had lots of suspects but really struggled to, to find who, who he actually was because they, they always previously in murder cases were looking for a motive it's usually the people who get murdered know the, know the person that's murdered them yeah 
and and they they knew that. But that's why they were really struggling because they had nothing to go on. Because because a prostitute had no. Yeah, I'm sure he left no word of weapon. Plenty, plenty he left of no people. Clues. Exactly. So is that for a time to yes, go? I think Can it might think? be. Right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. You did a magnificent yeah. job. It's been an honour, lads. It really has. And um, hopefully, we'll get you a, get you back for some more podcasts later. Absolutely. Maybe. Well, I'll, I'll be back. I'll make, <laughs> I'll make sure so that I do a little bit more digging and make sure I have a more interesting fact yeah. than Sam. <laughs> oh, so, tell you what, I've got an interesting story just really quickly. Go on, time. Yeah, um, I learned the other day that apparently the first policeman ever hired you know, to join the police force was arrested, I think within his first day of service. He was arrested. For, yeah, he was arrested for being drunk and disorderly. <laughs> <laughs> Abuse of Brilliant. power from the start. Abuse of, yeah. Maybe that could be a feature we could end a podcast with a, with a crazy fact F- like Fun that. little story. Yeah. There we go. Right. Thanks very much. Right, see you later.